In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Uh, tonight, we will study chapter, uh, Psalm 11 from the book of Psalms. Uh, traditionally, this psalm was written by Prophet David, and the title of this psalm, To Chief Musician, a Psalm of David. Some believe that Chief Musician is the Lord God Himself, but many scholars actually believe this like an instruction to the leader of the choir or the musicians. Like during the time of David, Heman and Asaph were the leaders of the choir. This psalm, David wrote it while he was under persecution. And some say under persecution from King Saul who was seeking to kill him. Others say it is difficult actually to assign a certain period because David was not only persecuted by King Saul, but also persecuted by others like his son, Absalom. David had friends and these friends actually instructed him to run away, to flee, to escape. So this advice came from well intention, but it was provided by people whose faith was so weak in God. They recommended that he flees to some mountains where he can find a hiding place to take cover from the rage of the enemy, whether it is Saul or Absalom. But David, because of his strong faith, and he remembers how God empowered him during uh, his fight with Goliath, and how he was able to defeat Goliath. So he lifted his eyes to the Lord and determined confidently to put all his trust in God. So he knew that the safest place is not the mountain. The safest place is not cave. The safest place is when you put all your trust in God. So David did not reject the advice of his friends because it is shameful for him as a leader or as a fighter to escape or to run. No, he refused their advice because this suggestion or this advice implied mistrust in God, as if God cannot protect him. So this song is a song of triumph over the strong temptation that anyone can face to distrust God during the time of danger. It's a short psalm, seven verses. The first three verses, the voice urging flight, 
So his friends urging him to escape. And from verse 4 to 7, the voice urging faith. So let's read the psalm. He started by saying, In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, he's addressing his friends, how can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? His friends continue and say, for look, the wicked King Saul or Absalom bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string, so they are about to kill you, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. They want to kill you, you who are upright in heart. And then they told him, if the foundation are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If you are in, in, a, in a house or in a building and the foundation is destroyed, everyone will die. So they are saying the foundation of the kingdom of King Saul is destroyed because there is no justice, there is no law. So they are they explaining to him why he should escape, why he should run away. Because this kingdom, kingdom of Saul, has no foundation. And if the foundation is destroyed, are destroyed, what can the righteous do? But David responds to them in, in verse 4, The Lord is in his holy temple. God is there. God did not leave us. The Lord's throne is in heaven. He's God of heaven. Can't he defeat the men of earth? Definitely he can. His eyes behold. God sees everything. His eyelids test the sons of men. So even if I go through a difficult time, this actually for my benefit, it's like a test of faith. The, uh, the Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves the violence, his soul hates. God hates the one who loves the violence. Upon the wicked, he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, like Sodom and Gomorrah, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, God is righteous. God will give each one according to his deeds, whether good or bad. He loves righteousness, his countenance beholds the upright, and his eyes all the time on the upright. So let's Go verse by verse. Verse 1. In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? So, before his friends address the matter of his danger, before he is saying what his friends are telling him, David, he himself recognizes that in the Lord I put my trust. Uh, David actually, before he took the throne of Israel, he lived the life of fugitive. He was all the time running away from King Saul who wanted to kill him. He was constantly hunted by King Saul and lived in constant danger. So, 
his friends advised him, give him advice. Flee as a bird to your mountain. His friends meant well, but David knew that it was a wrong advice. No matter how their intention was good, but this advice is advice of fear, advice of timidity, advice of mistrusting God. The advice of fear could not stand with David, who trusts God and put all his confidence in God. As a life principle, David sought refuge from his enemies in the Lord. He is my safest place. He is his stronghold and protection. God is the exclusive refuge for his persecuted children. St. John Chrysostom comments on this verse saying, What are you claiming? I have the Lord of the universe as my ally, the one creating everything everywhere without difficulty. I have as a leader and support, and you send me to the wilderness? David say, what are you saying? God, the creator of heaven and earth, is my protector, and you want me to go to the mountains? Verse 2, For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. So these are the words of David's friend. They were representing to him as an excuse or motive for him to uh, run away the extreme danger he was in. They compared David to a bird when a hunter, hunter actually fixed his eyes on this bird, has fitted his arrow to the string, lying close, and taking aim at the bird, intending to shoot it. So, as if they are telling him, everything is ready for your destruction. The arrow that is to pierce your heart is already set on the bowstring. The person who hopes to kill you, Saul and his army, are hiding in ambush. So, everything is ready for your destruction. This exactly what they signified. Saul and his counselors had laid their plot secretly to destroy David. So the advice given given to David was well meant, but it's advice of fear. It's like when Peter said to the Lord Jesus Christ, no way you will be crucified. And this was the voice of Satan in in. Uh, in Peter's mind. That's why the Lord said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Peter meant well. He said it out of love. But this advice did not come from God, but came from the devil. So we must be careful when we give advice to others to make sure that the advice we give to others comes from God, not from our human emotions. Verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? 
What can you do, David? Uh, the foundation of the law and justice were destroyed under the soul unrighteous reign, under soul's unrighteous reign. So what can you do? You have no other option except to run away in their mind. Uh, the foundation, according to the Hebrew translation, if the pillars are turned upside down, what can the righteous do? And by the way, this matches the Arabic. بالعربي يقول إذا انقلبت الأعمدة مش الأساسات إذا انقلبت الأعمدة فالصديق ماذا يفعل So if the pillars are turned upside down what can the righteous do So his friends who were fearful uh, telling him if King Saul put aside the fear of God and now he does not regard the truth or justice. So the righteous man has no security for his life. As if they are telling David, this is at present your case. There is no other options for you except to run away, to flee. If the pillars are turned upside down, some applies these words to the destruction of Nobs the priest by King Saul because King Saul thought that the priests are supporting David so actually he killed all the priests you can read this story uh, in 1st Samuel chapter 22 so the foundations or the pillars can refer to the priests here so they are telling him if the priests are destroyed those who preserve knowledge and truth, those who practice and lead the divine worship are destroyed. So where you, a righteous man, can go? So what remained to David for you? Nothing remained for you except to withdraw from the community, except to run away because there is no law and no order. That's what his, his friends are telling him. So David's counselors believed the very cornerstones stones of their nation were in jeopardy. What are the cornerstones of, of nation? Law and other institution of faith, like the, the temple, the, the priests. So there is no law, no justice, no truth under soul, and the priests are destroyed, are killed. So the foundation of this nation is destroyed. But David, who was with a sling and a stone, had smitten a giant before whom the whole Israel were trembling. And the Lord who delivered him from the Philistine, Goliath, could surely deliver him from King Saul and his followers. That's why all these, ver- these words did not install fear in his heart. There is no such word as impossible in the language of faith. Everything is possible with God. St. Augustine thinks the righteous one here referred to the Lord Jesus Christ in this verse, if the foundation are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So St. Augustine says the righteous refer in a prophetic way to the Lord Jesus Christ who has offered immense love by shedding his life 
for the sake of the world. During his trial, the foundation were destroyed. There was no justice. There was false accusation only. The, the priest, high priest, Pilate, Herod, all of them, actually, they raged against the Lord Jesus Christ. What will he do? And later on, St. Augustine is speaking about the her- uh, heretics. Since the heretics destroy the pillar of faith, he has been intensely patient with them. God is patient with them in hope for their repentance. And sometimes, you know, with the heretics and, and wrong teaching, where the righteous go? Sometimes simple righteous can be deceived. Also, these words may also point to the last age during the time of the Antichrist when the pillars of the church are about to be shattered due to the deviation from the true faith and the lack of love. The Lord said when the Son of Man comes, would he find faith on earth? So, pillars in the church will be destroyed in the last days during the time of the Antichrist. St. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, there will be difficult time to come, and it will see as if there is no opportunity for the righteous to do anything. But from verse 4, David replied to the messages by his friends. So in verse 4 he said, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids tests the Son of Man. So David's reply to his fearful advisors is an expression of absolute faith and trust in God. In the first verse of this psalm, he declared that he put his trust in God. Now he's explaining why he put his trust in God. What are the reasons? Despite of this hopeless situation in which he is. So, when said the Lord is in his holy temple, the Lord's throne is in heaven, he meant that the world is not governed by chance or can any person do any things as they want. No, God the Pantocrator is in control. King Saul may reign upon the earth, but God is in his holy temple. God is the Lord of heaven and earth. He is the supreme and most righteous ruler of all affairs. So this was the source of David's trust and confidence. He did not rely on his power, his personal power, but on the power of God. So David had confidence in a holy, all-powerful, all-knowing God. So he's saying to his friends, no harm can be secretly plotted, no wicked plan so deceitfully hidden, but it lies open before his eyes because God beholds. So even if they want to hide their plans or their conspiracy, the eyes of God behold, he sees through it. 
That's why David has nothing to fear. He had a protector in heaven and that he might appeal to him for a defense. So when the advice of fear comes upon us, we can only arrive at the answer of faith by spending time with the Lord. When we spend time with the Lord and strengthen our faith in Him, then the answer of faith will uh, will assure our heart when actually we go through difficult time. Like Stephen. Stephen was stoned to death. He did not look at earth. He looked at heaven, where God is seated on his throne. And he saw the Son of Man, Jesus, standing at the right side of the throne of God. He saw the heaven is open. We should know, even if all the doors on earth are closed in front of us, but the door of heaven never will be closed in front of the believers. God, the protector of the righteous, is always in heaven. His throne is always accessible. You don't need to take an appointment to to, to pray to God. He's always, always accessible. And the persecuted, when they go to God, they will find, they will be safe. They will find in Him their refuge and their security. His eyes behold. He sees everything in all parts of the universe. And therefore he knows all the purposes of the wicked and all the wants of the righteous, what we want and what the wicked are planning for us. Nothing is hidden. He knows the secrets of heart. He searches our reins. His eyelids test the Son of Men. He searches into their very heart. He thoroughly discerns all men and all that is in men, in their heart, in their mind, in their most inward and secret actions. God knows everything. Verse 5, the Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked, and the one who loves violence, his souls hates. The Lord tests the righteous. Again, David answered the question, if the foundation are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So now he is asked, he's answering this question. The righteous can know that the Lord is testing them. When the foundation are destroyed, it's time of test, test of faith. Because a loving God is testing them, they can know they will never be forsaken. And by the way, test of faith is not for God to know our faith because God knows everything. But usually test of faith empower us, strengthen us, take us into a new level of spirituality, to a higher level of experience with God. Like God when he tested the faith of Abraham asking him to offer his son as a sacrifice. After this, Abraham actually went into a higher place in his spirituality and has a different experience with God, he called God the Lord provides, Yahweh Yara. So this was a higher level in spirituality. The righteous, even when the foundations are destroyed, the righteous know that the Lord is in control. When God tests us, 
not to, to destroy us or to punish us, but to show the truth of our attachment to him and to elevate us to a higher experience in our spiritual life. So this verse reflects the feeling of the persecuted and afflicted author of the psalm, David. He understood the reason why these calamities were suffered to come upon him as a trial of his faith. He did not blame God for these calamities. He did not question the love of God, but he knew it is test of faith. So it was his duty to remain and endure these troubles and not to attempt to escape from them by flight according to the advice of his friends. And the one who loves violence, God's soul hates. So whatever success the wicked and he that delights in doing malice may have for the present, maybe they will prosper temporarily, but it is certain that God hates their conduct. Unless they repent, they will be severely punished for abusing their power to oppression and violent dealing. That's why after he said, but the wicked and the violent, but the wicked and the one who loves the violence, his soul hates, the following verse he spoke about the uh, punishment of God to the to the wicked. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. So divine punishment follows divine displeasure. When God is displeased with our actions, when we don't repent, divine punishment will follow. Not necessarily immediately, not always speedy, but for sure divine punishment will follow divine displeasure. This gave David confidence in the midst of the advice of fear that was given by his friends. Has confidence in God. So, after all, if the ungodly persecute the righteous now, how much more the righteous God will discipline and punish the ungodly. The wicked may think themselves very secure here on earth because they are so crafty and strong, but how can they defend themselves against God who has numerous ways to destroy them? when they least think of it, think of that God is punishing them. And can this punishment can be can happen unexpectedly and he can overthrow all their power. That's why he said rain. He will rain coal. Why why he said rain here? Uh, the rain actually comes plentifully, swiftly, suddenly, violently, unavoidably. That's why he said he rains cold. The punishment will come in the same way, plentifully, like rain, 
swiftly, suddenly, violently, unavoidably, as rain commonly falls from heaven. Fire and brimstone, this may give the image of ultimate eternal judgment, the hell fire, or maybe there is allusion here to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah by fire because of the sin of homosexuality. What what did David have to fear from the men destined to hell? So as if he is saying, if this will happen to the wicked, I should not be afraid of them. I should not be afraid of them. Then he said, shall be a, a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. The portion of their cup means this what they, this shall be what they shall drink. Uh, God actually will give each one according to his deeds. The word cup here, cup for measurement. So God actually will punish everyone according to his deeds, whether good or bad. That's why the Lord said in the day of judgment, Sodom and Gomorrah will have more tolerable situation or condition than Kafirnahum. So the word cup means the punishment will be measured out to them in proportion to their sins. Because God, his judgment is righteous judgment. God has appointed for them what they shall actually drink of. So the cup has been mentioned here so that we don't assume that the punishment of the wicked will happen without measure or reason. No. It will be righteous, unjust, and fear. Also, the image of a cup as a container of judgment reminds us with the prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ in Gethsemane when he said, O my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. The cup that the Lord referred to is the cup that contains the wrath of God against sin. Wrath that we deserve it, but Jesus Christ drank all of it instead of us. He became sin, he became curse instead of us. Then the last verse he concluded by saying, For the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, he is righteous and loves righteousness. His countenance, his face, Behold the upright. The character of God is the ground of the judgment which has been described. So, this judgment is 100% fear, just, righteous, because God is righteous. That's why God punishes the wicked so dreadfully. It's because God is righteous, and being righteous, and essentially righteous, he cannot but love righteousness. Uh, and that's actually his image that's stamped on the faithful and the believers. Uh, that's why he must proportionally hate the wickedness, because he's righteous. If he loves righteousness, then he hates wickedness. David knew that 
as he walked righteously, he would keep himself in the love of God. If actually you want to keep yourself in the love of God, walk righteously. God's love extends everywhere. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. He still loves us while we are sinners. But we can deny ourselves the benefits of God's love when we don't walk righteously. God's love is there. Like there, there is water available, but I decided not to drink from it. There is food available, but I decided not to eat from it. Love, God's love is available. But those who don't walk righteously, they refuse to enjoy the benefits of God's love. His countenance beholds the upright, which means he does not turn away from upright. He does not turn away from those who were said to be under assault from the wicked. Like in this psalm, God's eye on the faithful. So when David considered the greatness of God and his care, all this outweighed the danger. He trusted God. That's why he is not fearful like his friend. Why should I fear the wicked? His friends may or may not have meant well, but David did not receive their advice of fear. And instead, he would answer with with faith. I trust God. So, now as application for us, why should we be shaken by reports that they are out to get us? Are we fearing evil men around us? Are you afraid that someday they will rise up and even take your life? Are you feeling like the very foundations around us are crumbling? We should not fear. For, like King David said, let your trust in the Lord and remove your fear of evil. So this psalm is a psalm of victory, psalm of triumph. How faith defeats our fear and take away the fear from our heart. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.